0: Thank you for downloading the podcast we believe the word of god will richly bless you today now let's get right into the work with pastor rusty martin colossians chapter one we're studying the subject of redemption this is our third or fourth week somewhere around there this is our fourth week you're right this is our fourth week I've always loved, this has always been my favorite subject to teach, especially when we start getting into the meat of it over in the letters that were wrote to the church, that is the gospel. Paul said the world will be judged by my gospel. Sounds kind of prideful, but I guarantee you, he had a revelation that the other disciples didn't have. I find it amazing that even when we celebrate communion, which is an ordinance of the church over in 1 Corinthians 11, Uh, Paul says, having received from the Lord. And and amazing that God didn't use, let's see, we've got got Peter and John, well, there are two that wrote books uh, uh, in the New Testament, you know, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. but, But he did not allow anybody that was present to write revelation of the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper. He gave it to somebody that wasn't even there. Isn't that amazing? Well, I believe God does things like that on our, for our benefit so that, you know, the people making the claim of, you know, well, it only works for those that were there present at the time. Well, you know, we're 2,000 years and how many miles, you know, a long way from the place that it happened and a lot of years away from when it happened, but it's still relevant to us. Amen. And God gave it to the right person at the right time so we could have faith that it still work for us. Amen. Now, one of the things, and I've mentioned this every time that will help us understand, especially as we study redemption, is as we study who we are, what we have, what we can do in Christ, many times our minds tend to drift because we kind of desire teaching that has to do with our current need. You know, Pastor, could you teach? I need teaching on healing or, or, or on the family or, or finances or, or, or this situation. In my mind. But here's the thing. There's an all-encompassing revelation, and that is our redemptive revelation, that which we have in Christ, that if you get a handle on that, all these other minor issues, are gonna, they're going to line up, and you're going to get them right. I always use the illustration of, of John F. Kennedy, uh, not willing to settle for the current problems of the hour, and man, they had some problems in his day. They had civil unrest going on. There were civil rights that needed to be settled. There was a a problem going on in Vietnam. But you know, he made a decision to initiate the space program and there was a lot of criticism because people were saying, why are we going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars going to the moon when we got problems right here on earth? Going to the moon changed the way you brush your teeth. So much technology came out of going to the moon, that it changed our everyday life. And then the big problem, most of y'all don't remember, many of you do though, y'all don't remember the big problem of 1961, 62, 63 was a nuclear missile ended up in your backyard. Amen. I mean, I mean, I can remember being a little boy watching the Cuban Missile Crisis on TV and, and watching my parents and my grandparents, how they responded to it and thinking, man, is this thing going to end tomorrow? I remember having the, uh, uh, the drills at school. In which they would, you know, tell us, it wasn't like the fire drills when we went out the building and no, we got under the desk. How many remember those? And you'd get under the desk and what good's that going to do you when a nuclear bomb? I'd rather stand stand up and watch it happen, you know. I used to think that back then. What good's that going to do to climb under the desk when they drop a nuclear bomb, you know, come on. But that's what they were doing. But, you know, that president did not allow the current problem of the hour to stop him from pressing on to higher things. You as a believer must make a decision not to let your current problem stop you from pressing on to the weightier matters of the gospel because I guarantee you in my own life, it was my revelation of redemption that helped me in, every, in my finances, in my faith toward God, in overcoming problems of my life that I had difficulties with. All of those areas, once I began to figure out who I was, what I had, what I could do in Christ, and the concept of faith, which applies it to everyday living, I guarantee you all of those little minor things begin to drop off. That's why it's important we listen to and hear. Everybody say hear. Hear. A lot of people listen, but then they stop hearing. Make sure that you hear it. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. Let's begin there in verse 12. Verse 12 of Colossians chapter 1 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Who hath, everybody say hath. Notice the past tense word there. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now we'll come back there in just a moment. Now we begin our study. We studied creation. We saw the creation of the, of the heavens was for the earth. The earth was for man. Man was for God. God put man in a beautiful garden, gave him a helpmate for him. Then came this foreign entity, illegally got into a serpent, challenged the creation of God, Remember what he did? He came into the woman. He usurped spiritual authority. He got her eyes off all the trees she could have, got her eyes off the one tree that she couldn't have, created what we call the sin of dissatisfaction on the inside of her. She responded to that. The the man or the husband allowed it to happen, and man fell. Amen. Uh, The human family became Adam's family. Da-da-da-da. How many remember that? Boy, that's a good picture of it right there. A bunch of freaks and weirdos. And we looked at man's condition in Adam, Romans chapter 3. Man, that's a mess. No, not one, none that seeketh after God, whose feet are swift to shed blood. All the things that are wrong with humanity are the reason. One man. Everybody say, one man. One man caused the entire thing to fall and to become a mess. But thank God, God used one man to redeem us. His name is Jesus. Amen. So we saw that. We looked a little bit, and when God began to uh, choose men, he began to look, he found a man, and Noah, the Bible says Noah found grace, the ark, remember last week or a couple of weeks ago, lifted man up, lifted him above the judgment, the ark of God, all the types and shadows we saw in there, and then Abraham, everybody say Abraham, Abraham. a man willing to get into a blood covenant with God, wow, gave or offered up, willing to offer up his only son, which gave God the right to give his only son. See, God does everything just. God does everything according to the counsel of His own will. Somebody asked me one time in teaching on redemption, they said, who sets these standards? Who who sets these terms? God Himself does. God Himself does. And because of that, we must understand, God does everything justly. Now, our problem is, let let me just say this, a little rabbit 12, we'll come back. Our problem is we look for things to be fair. But you don't want things fair. I say, you don't want things fair. Because if all things were fair, we'd all be in trouble right now. But what you want things is you want God to be just. And in His justice toward us, He poured out all that was wrong with Adam's race and humanity in the fall. He poured it out upon Jesus so that we wouldn't have to bear it. And by the information... And the inspiration and the power of the Word of God and the ability of the Holy Ghost and the ability of God to place us in churches, teach us His Word. Remember the great teacher is the one on the inside of you, amen, the Holy Ghost. Through all that God has placed in the earth today, we are the ones that should rise above the world system, live above it, not being dominated by it, but show the entire planet, yeah, there is another race of people on the earth. It's not just the human family, there is also God's family that exists upon the planet right now. Well, we left off with Abraham last week. We know that he had a son named Isaac. Everybody say Isaac. Now, out of Isaac, we know out of Isaac, he had two sons. Uh, They were Esau and Jacob. And, uh, you know, they were both pretty wild kids. Did some pretty wild stuff. I think Esau ended up selling his birthright for a bowl of gumbo. I mean, that's, that's why way post people would understand it around here. Amen. So, you know, he just uh, just showed how the iniquity that was in man was growing, getting stronger. stronger. Jacob wasn't the best guy in the world either. Amen. I mean, you know, uh, what does his name mean? Deceiver or something, some strange, de- de- great deceiver or something like that. Well, here he goes down doing all kinds of wild stuff. He ends up serving for his first wife. They ended up giving him Leah. Amen. But here's the good news about Leah. Leah's, the the lineage in which Jesus came from was not Rachel, but Leah. That's why I thank God for Leah. (laughs) Amen. But we know out of that, or out of all of that, came a big family, 12 sons. Now, God, through types and shadows, we saw His provision in protecting His lineage in bringing Jesus to the earth by one of those sons, a favored son. Anybody know his name? Joseph. Joseph, which was disdained by his brothers because he had dreams and visions, and was taken, was basically sold into slavery. But God was in all of that by allowing him to be a forerunner of his family into Egypt so that there would be a provision of God for them when they got there because of a tremendous drought and famine that was upon the earth. So because of Joseph and Uh, One of the greatest stories you could read there in the uh, 42nd, 43rd, 44th, and 45th chapters of the book of Genesis is him being brought his father coming, his brothers coming, and all that Joseph could have done, he could have been angry, he could have been resentful, he could have held a grudge, but he had grace all over him. And he recognized that what man had meant for harm, God had meant for good and he brought his entire family into Egypt, and actually that family stayed there and became a nation. Remember remember what we've talked about, how God started with a a man, and then from that man, he started with a man, Abraham. From that man uh, came a family. Out of that family comes a nation. Out of that nation comes a priesthood and a lineage. Out of that nation also comes a royal line. Out of that royal line comes the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So here we've got... In Egypt, everybody say in Egypt, God's people. Egypt being a type of the world, God's people being a type of the church or a type of us. We're on the, we're on the planet, but we're not of the world. Uh, it, says, it says it in the word like this. We're in the world, but not of the world. Let me say that again. We're in the world, but not of the world. But as the world always does, the world's system which is not of God, which is of the enemy. That's what Adam gave over to the enemy. The world system is not for you. Let me say that again. The world system is not for you. They may embrace a preacher here or a preacher there and put their arm around them, put all all this kind of stuff. But here's the thing. You must understand that this system is not geared for the believer. God's got another system for us. In that Egyptian system, that nation began to prosper to the point that those that understood the favor that was upon Joseph died off, along with Joseph and the patriarchs of the nation. When that began to happen, they began to rise up out of Egypt, those that began to see Israel as a threat. When they saw them as a threat, they began to put them into bondage. They made slaves out of them. Can you imagine an entire nation? now is working as slaves. They don't have the rights. They don't have the privileges. Actually, it came to the point that they even passed laws that the first male child of every family or the male children of every family that were born, they were supposed to destroy them. What were they trying to do? They were trying to destroy a nation. Listen, anytime children are being destroyed, God raises up a Redeemer. Shows you how close we are to Jesus coming back for the church. You say, why is that? All this abortion and all this stuff goes on. Listen, here's the thing. That may be the world and the world system, but it's not God's system. I say it may be the world and the world system, but it's not God's system. Get ready. God's going to set all that in order. You say, when's he going to do it? In his timing and the way he chooses to do it. But I tell you what, anytime children are being destroyed, God raises up the Redeemer. Amen. So here they're doing this. Now, there was a little child born to a family. And they looked up in the Bible says he was a comely child. He was not like others. Something special about him. But they knew they had to do something. Now, this is amazing. They knew they had to do something in order to protect him. So they put him in a basket and they put him in the river. And as he went up the river, the queen, or excuse me, one of the princesses or queen of Egypt there, got Moses, saw him. As the child began to cry, she had compassion. Now, notice this. She called for a maid out of Israel, to come and take care of the child. Who do you think God sent? Moses' mother. So Moses' own mother got to raise him, and Egypt raised the one in which would become its own destruction, but the one that would deliver them out of bondage. So here you've got Moses growing up in the house of Pharaoh, in the house of Egypt. He's enjoying all the benefits of it. But obviously, he was being taught something other than the Egyptian way of life. He was being told that he was a Jew, that he was of Israel. He was probably taught his history, taught about Abraham. And by the time he was about 40 years old, he thought, man, I better do something about this. God's called me to do something. So he went and he actually, we can kind of put it uh, out to you, like, tried to start his ministry. <laughs> Saw two people fighting. Amen. An Egyptian uh, fighting and beating on a Israel. So he went and he killed the Egyptian. Now let me just say this, because some of you may be aspiring to be a minister one day. You may have a call of God upon you, but let me just say this right up front. Murder is not the way to start a ministry. (laughs) You pretty much figure you finished if you you know. Say, how'd you start your ministry? Well, I killed somebody. Well, you know, it really don't work like that. So he runs off and he runs into the wilderness. But in the wilderness, he's being prepared. He had a father-in-law that was very wise, that was teaching him. Not only that, he had time for God to settle him and deal with him. And out in the wilderness, he had an experience with God, a burning bush. Upon that uh, incident of that burning bush, uh, God spoke to him. One of the things he said, remove your shoe from off your foot for the place where you're in is holy ground. That shoe removal, a very, very significant event, we saw it in both Moses and in Joshua shoe removal to the Jewish people even today. Anybody ever been to a Jewish wedding, seen at the end how they take their shoe off, they wrap that goblet, stomp on it, say Mazel Tov. You ever seen, maybe you've not been to a Jewish wedding, I've been to one. But anyway, they do that because to the feet, to the Jewish people, feet are significant. Feet are a place of exchange. And what they were saying, and God saying to Moses, take off your shoe from off your foot for the place where you're standing is holy. He's saying, you ain't got what you need. There needs to be an exchange between me and you. If you're going to be Moses, the redeemer, if you're going to be Moses, the one that's going to bring them out, if you're going to be the Moses, the one that's going to bring them into the place that I want them to go to, then you're going to have to be somebody different than you are right now. He did the same with Joshua. He told Joshua, take off your shoes from off your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. So he rose up, and we know the story about how God gave him Aaron, his son, excuse me, Aaron, his his, uh, uh, brother that went in with him. And they began to challenge the Pharaoh. And through ten mighty plagues, God delivered the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. Every one of those plagues was a direct judgment against demonic gods that Egypt itself was serving. Now let me just say this. The judgment of God in this dispensation, is held back. We live in what the prophet calls Isaiah, the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus proclaimed it. We live in a time in which the judgment of God is stayed off of us. We live in a time of grace. We live in a time of mercy. I know there are preachers that get up. I'll never forget when AIDS began to become an epidemic. And all the preachers that got up and began to say, oh, that's the judgment of God. That's the judgment of God against the homosexual. It's not the judgment of God. It is the wage of their own sin. The judgment of God is not here, but it's coming. I said, it's coming. And you don't want to be here. You say, how can I be not here? You serve the Lord. I said, you serve God. You serve God like, you're gonna, like He's coming. You serve Him like He's coming in the next 30 minutes. Amen. Amen. And if you will do that and serve God, I guarantee you the judgment that He put upon the body of Christ, this body of Christ will not have to go through that judgment. So God judged Egypt even to the point that their what? Firstborn child. Just like they did to Who? just like they did to Israel. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. And out came Israel, out of Egypt. Moses brought them out. Everybody say, who hath? Delivered us from the power of darkness. Moses being a type of Jesus who has brought us out. Now listen, thank God for what Jesus has brought us out of. When you got born again, when you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you were brought out of Egypt. You were brought out of the human family. You were brought out of the world and the world system. You have come out of it. But there are two parts to that scripture. Who hath delivered us from the power, from the authority of darkness, but he has also translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now let me say this, and we'll look at Moses just a minute, and we'll look at Joshua a little bit. The problem with Israel, the Israel that came out of Egypt, I heard this said years ago by an old preacher. Old preacher, has got a powerful book called Why Revival Terries. Leonard Ravenhill. I was in one of his meetings. He said the problem with Egypt, uh, excuse me, the problem with, with Israel when they came out of Egypt is they did not have two crossings in them. They had one. They had the desire to come out, but they had no desire to go in. And over the years, I've noticed this in the church, and we need to be delivered of this church, A lot of people in the body of Christ only have one crossing in them. I mean, you can get up and talk about what God's brought you out. Oh, He brought me out of drugs. He brought me out of alcoholism. He brought me out of financial debt. He brought me out of hate. He brought me out of... Listen, we don't belittle that. We thank God for what He's brought us out of. But it's not what He has brought us out of that's going to put us over. It's what He's brought us into through Jesus. That's what's going to cause us to live in overwhelming victory in the earth today. I've told the story. I probably told it last week. I'll tell it again. When I first began ministering, almost 30 years ago now, I did a lot of full gospel business meeting, meetings. A lot of people want to hear my quote testimony. See, I was raised at a time uh, from about 1961 to about 1972 or 73 in which there was a great move of God in this region, in this area. We went to Mom and Dad Goodwin's Church. There was a powerful move of God there. Brother Kenneth Hagin used to come there all the time. Twice a year he would come and hold services two weeks at a time, two services a day. I was in all those services. Then up at Evangelistic Temple. There was a great revival through a man named Brian Rudd. I mean, there were hundreds and thousands of people. There were so many people getting saved and delivered that the narcotics department of the Houston Police Department would come and provide boxes, and they would fill those boxes with drugs and drug paraphernalia from all of the hippies that were getting saved during that time. Then there was a little church up in Houston called, uh, what was it, Dad, Church of the Redeemer. And in the Church of the Redeemer, which was, I think, was an Episcopalian church, one morning during worship and praise, the Holy Ghost fell on that church and filled them all with the Spirit. Well, you'd either go to Mom and Dad Goodwin's church, or you'd go up to, to an a, 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 a evangelistic temple, or you'd go over to a, a Church of the Redeemer, or then there was this other wild little Baptist guy running around named John Osteen. You may have heard of him. He was going around in all the high school auditoriums. And so there were all kinds of things. But then there was full gospel businessmen. They used to meet at the Shamrock Hotel up in Houston. Now, you'd always go up there and you'd hear all these testimonies. Somebody that had died and gone to hell. Somebody that had died and gone to heaven. Bank robbers, drug addicts, all this kind of stuff. So I began to think, well, I don't have a very good testimony. So I set out to get a testimony, which I should have never done. That was a stupid thing to do. Everybody say, don't do that. Say, no, no, no. So I went out and began to work on my testimony. So I'd well, needless to say, when it came time for me to go into ministry, I had to go out and quote tell my quote testimony. And so I went all over this area, all over Texas, actually all over this southern part of the United States. And I'd get up and saw what I'm, you know, raised under the move of God, raised under the power of God, been around the good ones, been around Brother Hagin, been around Brother, all this kind of stuff, talk about that. But then I got away from God, got into sin, got into drugs. But God brought, and I'd tell that testimony, I hated it. I just, just wore me out. I just hated that testimony. I hated telling it. And I'll never forget down in the valley, Brother Oscar Hamilton, he was a dermatologist. He was the president of Full Gospel Businessmen in Harlingen, Texas, staying in his home, had a powerful meeting on a Saturday night, just all kinds, about five or 600 people in a big ballroom there in Harlingen, and coming back to his house afterwards and falling across the bed and saying, God, I can't do this no more. I was actually in, it was in the spring of the year. I would be graduating in, from Bible school in May of that year. This was in March of that year. And I told the Lord, I said, I want to preach. I want to preach on faith. I want to preach on who you are in Christ. And all anybody wants to hear is this stupid testimony. Remember, I'd always told them, they use the scripture in Revelation. You overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And so I remember falling across that bed. My Bible was open and the Lord spoke to me. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, "Rush, you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And I said, Lord, that's my problem. Let me teach on the blood of the Lamb. It's that word of my testimony I got a problem with. He spoke it again so tenderly. But you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And I said, Lord, that's my problem. I'd love to just teach on the blood of the Lamb. It's the word of my testimony I got a problem with. I don't want people to know. I don't want to glorify all of that garbage. And then he said, your problem is, it's not the word of the testimony of what you've come out of that puts you over. It's the word of the testimony that I've brought you into. And when he said that, a light went off in my spirit. And I got me a notebook and I wrote me a brand new testimony. And I've been giving that testimony ever since. You say, what is that testimony? I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are new for me. He that knew no sin was made sin. Because of that, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the earth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thanks be unto God that causes me always to triumph in Christ Jesus. I walk on serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy and nothing shall by me. Well, I started giving that testimony and you know what? They said that was preaching. And I told them, that's just my testimony. That's all it is, is my testimony, amen? Some of you need to get you a new testimony. You need to make another crossing. Thank God for the Moseses of your life that have brought you out. But let some of the Joshuas of your life now bring you into what God has for you in Christ. Because it's really not what you've come out of that's going to put you over. It's what God is bringing you into that's going to put you over. So here's Moses. Through a mistake in his own life, God told him, you can't bring them in. Now, it's amazing. God told them, I've given you a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, listen, when God tells you something, I've given you this, I've given you that, I've given you this, I've given you that, that means he's empowering you to possess it. Let me say that again. I've given you this. I've given you that. We're looking at this land. We're looking at building a beautiful building over there. See, a thousand, I think our last plan that we got back said 1,090 people that it'll see. Listen, God says he's given it to us, but we have to go and possess it. And an entire generation, God had given them a miracle lifestyle under Moses. They lived in the wilderness, air conditioning in the daytime, cloud by day. Fire by night, heating at night. Manna in the morning, you know, instantaneous. Jack in the box or Starbucks, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Delivered every morning. But it's not the will of God that any person live by the miracles of God. It is the will of God that you go in and possess what God says belongs to you in Jesus' name. So Moses died. Not only did he die, an entire generation died. I asked somebody, said one time, what did they learn in the desert? They learned how to die. That's about it. Their own sin. The Bible says in Hebrews, they would not enter into his rest. They would not take God at his word. It's amazing to me. The only thing I can surmise is because of their still being spiritually dead people. They could not grasp the reality of having faith in God. It was not that it was impossible for them to do it because some did. A man named Joshua did. A man named Caleb did. They took God at His word. And those two men were the only two out of that generation that entered into the promised land or entered into the place in which God had for them. Now our scripture in Colossians, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, one crossing. Thank God you've come out. You've been born again. You've come out of drug addiction. You've come out of alcoholism. Maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe you've just come out of religion. A lot of people, the greatest deliverance of their life is when they came out of dead religion. Come out of religion. Come out of tradition. Come out of prejudice and hate. Come out of all kinds of things. Thank God for what you've come out of. But now it's time to rise up and go in and just as a different generation did through Joshua who was a different type of Jesus. See, we have Moses as a type. Joshua as a type. Moses brought him out. Joshua brought him in. Jesus brought us out. Jesus brings us in. Let me try that again. Jesus brings us out. Jesus brings us in. But there's so much more to possessing. The Bible says He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That through what? The precious promises of God we become partakers of the divine nature. Listen, I like to say it like this. When man sinned in the garden, he lost his Eden. When Jesus redeemed us, he gave us our garden back, but he put it on the inside. Now our life of faith is doing what? Bringing that which is on the inside to the outside for us to benefit from and enjoy and to share with the entire world. He has brought us out of what? The dominion and the authority of darkness. That's why I say, listen, don't let the devil beat your brains out. Don't let the devil try to destroy your life. Get rid of any darkness in your life. Oh, that was not a good amen. Let me try that again. Get rid of any darkness in your life. You've been delivered from its authority, from its power. Listen, oh man, I don't know if we should start meddling now, maybe we should. If it's in your music... Get it out. Amen. Oh, come on, Pastor. Can't... I, I, I like my old 70s, my oldies but goodies. Listen, man, that's what costs most of us half of our lives. <laughs> Pastor, I wouldn't listen. That stuff. of the devil. I Just give me Conway Twitty and, and uh, <laughs> Willie Nelson. Yeah, right. What's the, what's the old story? What do you do when you play country music backwards? Anybody know? You get your dog back. You get your car back. You get your... Get darkness out of your life. Get it off the internet. Ooh, that was weak. A lot of people, listen, they fall because with one button, they can access darkness. Don't be accessing darkness with the internet. Get it off your satellite, off your TV. Not everything that comes across the radio waves and the television waves is good. Get darkness out of your life. You've got to make a decision. I'm not going to live under the sway of darkness. Listen, there is so much good with the light that you will not give up anything that pertains to darkness that will be a loss to you if you will embrace the light of God and everything He has provided for you. Oh, This is another story I tell all the time because it has such an impact on me. At the pre, I was at a preacher's meeting. All these preachers up at the front crying and just weeping. And I'm the only one that didn't answer the altar call. And the guy holding the meeting walked back to me and said, Rusty, you don't understand. All of these preachers. Now, this has been almost 30 years ago. All these preachers are down there and they're they're really, they're getting the grief out. The grief and the heartache of what they've had to give up to be in the ministry. I thought, my God, you ought to see what I was giving up not to be in the ministry. I was giving up my mental soundness. I was giving up my health. I was giving up my money. I was giving up my relationships. The devil was eating it up, eating it up, eating it up, and I got saved, and I made a decision right there. It's not a price to be paid. It is a privilege to serve the God that brought me out of, but has also brought me into. I've not paid a price for ministry. It's a privilege to be in the ministry. I didn't run with that crowd very long. Come out of the darkness, who hath delivered us. Notice past tense means already. who hath delivered us from the power. But he's also what? Translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, if I deliver you, I've got to come to where you are. If you call me up and say, Pastor, I've got a flat. I'm up on top of the causeway. Would you come deliver me? And I say, well, brother, I'll pray for you. That's not going to do you much good. I've got to get in my truck. I've got to go get the jack. I've got to go get the air uh, thing for the tire. Or I just call Roy. That's what I do. Just call Roy. (laughs) But if you're going to get delivered from the flat tire, somebody's going to have to do what? Come to where you are. Jesus came to where we were. Jesus came to the earth. Jesus came that he might what? Now, to deliver somebody, you go to where they are. To translate somebody, you bring them to where you are. Now, see, this is where we struggle. This is where we kind of leave the the, the teaching and the revelation of redemption and begin to think about my problem. Well, you know, that's all well and good, but, but, you know, I've really got a sore foot. And if you'd just call me out, I'd be healed. Well, you know, here's the deal. You may have a sore foot next month and the month after that. But the good news is if you can find out who you are in Christ, you can do something about that sore foot. You don't need me to do it where has he translated us? This is part of our study in the next couple of weeks. We're now risen with him and seated in heavenly places. You have the same position with God that Jesus himself holds. What kind of benefit you think, what kind of, uh, what kind of blessing you think would benefit your life if you could be consciously aware 24 hours a day, seven days a week that you had the same position, the same favor, the same love from the Father, that everything Jesus had accomplished through redemption now belonged to you, all you had to do was access it and act upon it. Did you know you do? As righteous as Jesus is, you're as righteous as He is. I was preaching that over in Europe one time. I had a guy challenged me, he said, now I'm telling you it takes years to develop righteousness. I said, that's funny. The Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not something you adhere to. It's something that you are when you're born again. The inheritance that God has given us in Christ Jesus belongs to us. People put it off to the sweet by and by. What are you going to need healing for when you get to heaven? What are you going to need prosperity in a city whose streets are paved with gold? What are you going to need deliverance from in an area in which there is no addiction, there is no affliction, there is no depression, there is nothing like that? No, even... Let me just say this. Why do you need eternal life in a place where there is no death? You need it down here. Now. Here's where you need healing. Here's where you need a revelation of your eternal life. Here's where you need a revelation of your prosperity. Here's where you need it. And if you can get it in revelation form, God has put the garden on the inside of you. He's given it to us in seed form by His Word. We can be partakers of the divine nature if we'll make a decision. Thank God for what we've come out of. Thank God for the first crossing of our lives, which brought us into the kingdom of God. But I'm going to turn my back on what I've come out of, and I'm going to go into what God has provided for me in Christ. Our problem, We have. I've said it before, we have too many X's. I'm an X this, I'm an X drug addict. I'm an X this. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are exactly what God says you are. You are the righteousness of God in Him. It's bigger than being black. It's bigger than being white. It's bigger than being in China or America or any other place on the island. It breaks every other cord of identification and it takes the great cord of revelation which identifies you with God Himself as His child as a royal priesthood and as a peculiar nation. And when you begin to see who you be, it will change what you do. I know that's not good English, but I'm going to say it again. When you begin to see who you be, it will change what you do. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not sick trying to get healed. Not one person in here is sick trying to... You are the healed of God, using the Word of God to fight off every symptom of sickness and disease. You're not poor trying to get rich. You're the rich of God, using tithing and offering and all the blessings of prosperity to appropriate every dime you need to live right down here on this planet. Say, well, Pastor, it's just on how you see things. Exactly. Exactly. It's on how you see it and how you say it. And if you will see it right, And if you will say it right, you will get it right. Because everything in life is just as you see it and as you say it. And if you will see it right and say it right, you'll get it right. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Go ahead, Frank. Lift your hands up and just thank Him this morning. Father, we bless your name. Thank you that we've got two crossings in us. It's not just what we've come out of. It's what we're going into that's so glorious. It's all the redemptive realities and truths of the Word of God. Thank you for Moses and Joshua, for the nation of Israel, that we're the servants of God. But we are the children of Almighty God. And we thank you today that because of that, we have healing. We have righteousness. We have peace. We have joy. We have the goodness of God. We have His faith. We have His grace. Where we make mistakes, we have His mercy and we have his favor for we are his children in Jesus name now real quick ever head about, ever thank you for joining us today we trust you enjoyed the podcast we extend an invitation to you come join us in one of our services Sunday morning 1045 Tuesday prayer 730 Thursday evening midweek service 730 we are located 2411 69th street Galveston Texas See you there.